All right. Well, today we're going to begin a new series called Five Ways to a Five-Star New Year. Everybody wants five stars, right? Five-star products. We want five-star experiences. So we're going to think about some ways to have a five-star New Year this year. Well, Tim McGraw, how many of you know Tim McGraw, the country? Yeah. He has a really cool song, and it's called I Like It, I Love It. You know the song? It's about a guy who finds himself holding umbrellas and opening up doors, taking out the trash and sweeping his floors, saying things like honey pie, darling, and deer, and he hasn't seen a Braves game all year because he's in love, right? He has a love relationship, and that love relationship is changing everything about him, and he likes it, and he loves it, and he wants some more of it. And that's what love does to us. That's what a love relationship will often do to us. When we're in those relationships, the way that we spend time changes. The things we spend time doing changes. And we're happy to change some of those habits, some of our desires, some of our wants to please that person with whom we're in this new uh, relationship. And if that relationship blossoms into marriage and into children, then all bets are off because all of those attitudes and and, uh, habits and all of those things will change to serve the needs of that family. So that kind of relationship makes deep changes in us. But, of course, we have to acknowledge that relationships... Even love relationships can sometimes have an adverse effect. Isn't that true? Even if we're in a relationship with someone who otherwise is really wonderful and is just like awesome person, still that relationship can draw us into things that maybe aren't so positive. Maybe a relationship uh, will draw us into drinking a little too much, maybe spending too much, uh, maybe stepping away from our faith or turning our back on our faith altogether. The point of this is just to say, relationships with people are really powerful change agents in our lives for good sometimes and for ill sometimes. And as powerful as relationships with people can be to change us, so can relationships with attitudes and with ways of thinking. And I'm using that word relationship purposefully because we can develop even love relationships with certain attitudes and and ways of thinking. And I think one of the most powerful relationships we can have of that kind that really deeply changes us and molds who we are is a relationship with worry, a relationship with worry. For many people, regardless of how many relationships they have with people, their relationship with worry is really their top priority. It's really their main relationship. It's worry with whom they're really going steady. And that's a tough thing. That's a a hard thing. Because worry can fundamentally change who we are and our attitude towards life. Worry can change the way that we greet each and every day. 
When we wake up and we're worried about facing the day, we don't even want to face the day. Sometimes we wake up and our goal is just to get back in bed and cover our heads with that pillow as fast as we can. And here's the thing. When we're engaged with worry, when we have a relationship with worry, even sleep isn't a relief. Our sleep is robbed by worry. Worry comes at 3 a.m., doesn't it, and wakes us up, deprives us of that little bit of time, that respite that we have from our problems. And I think worst of all, worry, when we have a real relationship with worry, worry changes what we're willing to do in the day, the risks that we're willing to take, because worry begins to, to define what we believe our potential is, what we believe our future can be. And when we have a relationship like that with worry, where worry is really beginning to, to, to change the way that we see the future, well, then worry is taking the place of God as the leader in our lives. Worry begins to take the place of God as the leader in our lives. Worry itself can become a small g God that we find ourselves bowing down to every single morning that begins to define our limits and our potential. It's that little small g God of worry that makes it impossible for us to live into the future that God has for us. That's where God suddenly is in second place. And this relationship with worry is in first place. And that's why Jesus is so adamantly against worry. Now, there aren't a ton of things that Jesus actually straight up says we should not do. But one of them that he says we should not do is worry. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking to a great big crowd of people, and he says it straight out, doesn't he? He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. And then he goes and he compares people who worry uh, to birds, the birds of the air. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And he says, are you not much more valuable than they? So he compares people who worry to the birds, who don't worry, don't seem to worry about anything, right? Then he goes on, and he compares people who worry to the flowers of the field. He says, see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, King Solomon with all of his, his splendor, was dressed like one of these. He says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, all you of little faith? Now, it sounds like on the first reading that what Jesus is saying here is, look, 
people, don't be so worried. Don't worry about storing up or sowing or reaping or laboring or spinning. Just sit back and let God take care of all of your problems. But I think we all know that that's not really what Jesus is saying here. And the reason he's not saying that here is Jesus knows, God knows, we're not birds and we're not flowers. We don't live by instinct alone. We're not at the mercy of the seasons. We're not subject to the the variances, the variables of nature. No, we are human beings. We are made in the image of God. And we've talked about this before. Being made in the image of God means that God has given us something that the birds and the flowers and all of those things don't have. We have reason. We have rationality. We uniquely among creatures have the ability to look into our future, to imagine ourselves in the future. And sometimes we look at that future, and it looks really bright, and we are raring to go. And sometimes we look into, we imagine ourselves into the future, and it looks really scary, and we worry about it. But here's the thing. The very thing that makes us unique among creatures, that we're made in the image of God, and we can think this way about our future, makes us able to worry. But it also makes us able to choose what to do when we worry. The fact is, unlike birds and unlike flowers, there is virtually nothing that we worry about that we cannot do something about. Unique among creatures, God gives us this ability, because we're made in His image, to solve our problems, to solve our problems. We don't need to worry. When faced with worry, we have some options. When faced with worry, we can pray. When faced with worry, we can look at the wisdom of God revealed to us in Scripture. We can look at the wisdom of history. We can look at the wisdom of our own experience. When faced with worry, we alone among creatures can call on God's power to help us to mold and influence our own future. I think that's what Jesus is getting across here. In this, in this scripture, if God will provide for birds and for flowers that can do virtually nothing for themselves beyond what they're instinctually able to do, how much more will God provide for we creatures made in His image who can do almost anything? That is God's great provision for us. Reason, rationality, the ability to turn to Him and seek His wisdom. And then do something, do something about whatever worries us. We have no reason to worry. Instead, we can turn to God. And we can ask Him, you know, sincerely, ask Him to help us understand 
the source, the deep source of our worry. In other words, the why behind the worries that we have. We can ask God then to also reveal to us from His wisdom and just from, from looking around for the solution to that worry. And then we can ask God's Holy Spirit to empower us to set about solving that problem. I'll give you an example. And I think this is a pretty universal example. Almost everybody at some point in our lives gets a little worried about being alone, don't we? When we're young, we're worried that we're not going to have that person to spend our lives with. We're worried about being alone. And when we get older, we start to worry about having anybody around who might really care about us. So worry about being alone, it's, it's a real thing. But look, we can decide to worry, have that relationship with worry, and let it dictate how we're going to face that issue. Or we can take up a relationship with God and pray. Well, what's the real source of that worry about my being alone? Now, this is risky because what might be revealed to us is, well, maybe you're worried about being alone in the future because of the way you've treated some people in the past. Maybe some bridges that we've burned. Maybe some grudges that we're holding. So God might reveal that to us. So it's always risky to go to God. But on the other hand, He also will give us a solution to that. And that solution might come from the very Word of God. How about when Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, look, if you don't want to be lonely in the future, uh, how about treating other people now with forgiveness and with kindness and with charity? How about making sure that you do your best to see the best in other people? The best hedge against being alone in the future is how we treat one another today. How about this? In the book of Hebrews, we're told this. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other. Let us encourage each other. Best hedge against being lonely in the future is meeting together with like-minded folks and helping one another and encouraging each other, no matter what stage of life we're at. So that's just one example. But the principle is the same. And you can plug in any worry that you have. The principle is the same. We can have that relationship with worry that's going to push us around, is going to do things to us, is going to change the way we look at the world. Or we can take up a relationship with God. Ask him what the real why behind our worry is. Ask him what maybe the solution is from his wisdom. And then ask his Holy Spirit to empower us to set about solving that problem. That's when we break up with worry and we take up with God. That's where we make a big step, by the way, towards having a five-star new year. Let worry go. Grab hold of God. 
You know, Jesus told a story once about a man who was out sowing seeds in a field. You all pretty much are familiar with that story. Jesus, he says, the man is throwing seeds out on a field. That's how they used to plant seeds. Seeds are going everywhere. Jesus says some seeds come down on this hard-packed earth, and as soon as they come down, birds come, swoop down, eat those seeds, and the seeds have no chance of growing at all. Some seeds, Jesus said, fell in rocky places, and even though they began to sprout, they just withered away in the sun. But Jesus says that some of those seeds fell among thorns, thorns. And they grew up, and they choked the plants. Now, later on, Jesus would explain this parable, saying that those seeds, they represented the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God as a way of living right now where we connect with and we trust in God. It's a good way to live. He said, that those seeds that represent that kingdom of God, his message of that kingdom of God, was choked off by the worries of life. Choked. We can't let our worries choke. Choke off the kingdom of God that's in you. Break up with worry. Take up with God. And see what that does in our walk into a five-star new year. And next week, we're going to continue in this theme. We're going to look at way number two. We're going to look at temptation. And we're going to see how Jesus' brother James helps us understand temptation and helps us to defeat it. But this week, let's just remember, unlike the birds, unlike the flowers, as beautiful as they are, as great as they are, only we are made in the image of God. Only we are made to be able to take hold of our worries and solve our problems. And friends, that's the way that we're going to walk this year into a five-star new year. Amen? All right.